have to, I used to fight at super featherweight, so I'm fighting you know, 58, 55, 59 kilos, so I've got to make weight too, so I'm, yeah. I'm dieting and I'm starving, so every time a fight fell through, it was, it was just so deflating, it just, as, as any boxers know, yeah. to get a fight cancelled last minute, so that happened, and yeah, and a few things happened there in our accommodation um, at the Fight Like Hotel was changing, so I thought, look, I'll go back to Tassie, and I'll keep fighting, and I'll keep still be with Team Fennec, but I'll fly out for training camps instead of live there full time. Yeah, yeah. And the drive from New South Wales to Victoria, then the boat Spirit Attached to Hobart is where I brainstormed doing pro shows in Hobart. That's where it all began. Yeah. So in 2001, on September 11, when the actual the twin the towers. Oh, true. You know, that the, day. Happened. That was the day that I drove down. And um, I got back to Hobart. Two days later, I'm sitting at Orish Murphy's with two friends. Yep. And I said, why don't we put on a, a prime, a special boxing show? And I said, what? How long has that been? In? Oh, it's been over 20 years, 30 years since it's been one in Tassie. You're crazy. And I said, nah. And I asked the waitress for a pen and paper. So I sat down and I said, all right, we need a venue. Do an entertainment centre. They go, what? That's the biggest venue. And like, I was thinking, obviously, Probably too big then. Yeah, of so course. So nah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll be the main event. Um, I'll get another fighter, Dean Belbin, at the time. We had a good name on there. We'll get a bunch of amateurs. We'll get ring girls, ringside tables. I said, ringside tables are ring girls. This has never happened before. I learned all this from Jeff Benny. I was watching Jeff's shows. I was seeing how he you know, markets his promotion. I thought, I can do this in Tassie. I take boxing out of the ground at Tavern, the Norky Club Rooms, and all these little venues. Which, which were fine as when we were amateurs, and I'm gonna do it on the big stage, and that's how it all began. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Tonksy Media Podcast. Today's guest, who's now based in Melbourne, grew up in the rough suburb of Varane on the eastern shores of Hobart, Tasmania. Unlike most that grew up in that suburb, this guy manifested to become a champion boxer. He moved to Sydney and was trained under the great Jeff Fennick and Johnny Lewis and has gone on to become a respected professional boxing promoter for Tasmania, which has made a lot of Tasmanian boxers' dreams come true by giving him this platform to be recognised on throughout the country. Please welcome to the podcast, Grant Tassie Brown. Welcome, brother. Thanks for having me, brother. No worries at all, mate. Um, yeah, like I said, bro, it's, um, I thought I'd get you on, uh, you know, you've, um, you've done a lot for, you know, professional boxing, boxing in general in Tassie, you know, and it's, um, we know that you've got a, you've got a good backstory behind it all, mate, so why not uh, start off by taking it back to the beginning, mate, and letting us know, you know, a bit about your upbringing and where you come from and stuff, mate, and, and we'll, we'll flow on from there. Yeah, well, look, I'm from a very proud fighting family. The Browns, um, they're, uh, you know, respected widely in boxing, um, you know, in Tasmania over many, many, many years. And man, my grandfather, Lenny Brown, was a was a champion, amateur and professional. Um, and his two brothers, Bobby and Reggie, were both, you know, great fighters. Um, so I started with, with that generation, my grandfather's generation. Then my dad was the first of his generation and he fought and obviously in all his, um, his cousins fought. So that, that generation. And then there was me. I was the first of my generation. And then my younger cousins, um, Gary and Johnny, um, done it as well. So three generations of fighting Browns. And, um, yeah, look, as I said, like every dinner, conversation was boxing at, at an early age. I'm talking, you know, <laughs> three, four, five years old. You know, my grandfather and my dad would talk about the legends of the game and, and that's where I sort of know so much history about the sport, like going back to Joe Lewis, Jack Dempsey, Henry Armstrong, Sugar Robinson, yep. you know, Sonny Liston, Muhammad Ali, like just all in, in the great Australian fighters, you know, like Dave Sands and Tony Mundine, Laurel Rose, John Famishan, like it was just the uh, education and, yeah, so, I mean, that, that's all it was. It was all boxing. So from from the youngest memory I can think of, 
I just heard about boxing. So that was the first sort of inkling that I that I had about the fight game. Yeah, right, yeah. How old are you, bro? Sort of what area what era was you did you grow up in, sort of thing, you know? Yeah, so I'm I'm forty five years old now. I was born in seventy eight, so obviously in the great the great eighties era, nineties, which is probably the best era ever. Yeah. Um yeah, so I grew up in Warren Mornington, so Warren and Mornington are both two suburbs close next to each other. I sort of say both areas in one because I lived in Mornington but I spent so much time in my childhood, my grandparents in Moraine, yep. in the Munson Crescent and Bly Street. So so I, I always I don't like to say one side about the other, so I just say Moraine Mornington. Yeah. That that that's where I'm from. Yeah. Um you know, yeah, just two a- Yep. Sorry, bro. Just a bit of a, you know, I have a, a lot of viewers that aren't from Tassie, so that's a, they're two um, small suburbs on the east, uh, the eastern shores, eastern shores of, of Hobart. There, yeah. Hobart City. Um, yeah, yeah. give us a bit of a, a bit of an insight what 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 Warain was like during those days, bro. Yeah, look, it was. I mean, it, you know, a lot of great people come from there, obviously, but it was a, you know, it was a hard working class suburb. No thrills, obviously, and a lot of a lot of tough people come from that area, you know. Like, um, I mean, pretty much my whole family we were all sort of, you know, knock around um, fighters and you know, and and whatever else. Obviously, running with the running with the coppers and that. You know what I mean? That's just yeah. was part of the part of the the world back then, you know. And especially my family, obviously, is pretty notorious with that. But I mean, they're great people. But obviously, yeah, just rough and ready, but good, honest people, working class people. But knock around, you know. The, yep. Back then, it was you know being a rewardy male, like you'd you'd, um, you'd drink, go to the pub, and bet on the horses, and you and you get in a fight. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You might get in more than one. And I know my grand, my father was um, was heavily respected, um, you know, in, in and out of the ring. As I was my grandfather, so look, I um, yeah. So look, I started, I started, um, you know. At the age of five, my dad, you know, got me in the kitchen, got get me to throw punches, and I wanted to watch cartoons and that. But he, he was sort of, you know, he he wanted to teach me self defence. At an early age, I had really bad asthma, so there was no talk about me boxing, like because, I, you know, I was in and out of hospital. I had a really sort of, you know, really bad asthma and had a weak sort of chest, and yep. he's getting chest infections all the time. Yep. So. Um, but gradually I got better. I started playing cricket and footy. Um, Love me Aussie rules, but I was very small. I was like 45 kilo. And mum used to come watch me all the time. And dad would come every now and then and watch. But he come one day in particular and see me there trying to tackle the big, the big ruckman. I was only a little on baller, and <laughs> and he thought, "Geez, you, you know, you'll get killed doing this. You'll break his neck. He's got too much, too much courage." And so we thought, "Why not go to the boxing gym?" Finally, at the age of 13 and, you know, being around kids his own weight and when you fight, you fight, you know, guys your own weight. Yeah, yeah. And go from there. So, um, yeah, so he took me out to the Glenorchy Boxing Club. Back then, um, Lance Atkinson was the coach and the great Justin Crawford was there. He's a two-time Olympian and one of the greatest fighters Tasmanians ever had. Probably one of the greatest amateur fighters Australia's ever had. Yeah, so wow. I had him to sort of be my mentor and... Um, Six months after my first session there, um, that was it. It was my first amateur fight, and I never looked back. Yeah, right, mate. Unreal. Can you talk us through the feelings of that of, of walking to the ring that first ever time, mate? Like, can you remember? Yeah, um, it was at the City Hall, which is, you know, one of the most famous venue in Tasmania. So much history. My father fought there. My grandfather fought there. All my uncles fought there. And I had my first amateur fight there, and now I promote there too. But yeah, look, it was I was nervous. The gloves were bigger than me. I was forty-four kilos, mate. I was a skinny little, little red-headed, little <laughs> white little Aussie. Um, but yeah, look, all my schoolmates come to watch me, and it was pretty nervous. Um, but I, I won my first fight um, there. But it was just you know, a crazy memory. But the fight was a blur. Like yep. I can never really remember much about the fight because I just as soon as the bell went, I got hit the first time. I was just throwing and wasn't a lot of technique involved back then. It was just sheer, like, you know, I just wanted to hit Light the guy more times than he hit. I just wanted to hit the guy more times than he hit me, and, and I was, um, yeah, good enough to win my first one, and that was the, the start of it all. Um, I never looked back, 
you know, I just sort of thought, you know, this is better than footy for me, better than cricket, better than anything, and, and it's an individual sport, and it, it's on me. So, um, you know, I just had that professional mindset at a young age. Yep, yep. Yeah, right. Unreal, mate. So, so what you um you you went on to have a pretty successful amateur career, mate. Yeah, yeah, I did. I um after the you know I won you know my first one, then I had I actually lost my second one, but then I had there was about a six month break where I just really trained hard, and Justin Crawford has had a big role model for me, and I in between those first two fights, my third fight. After six months, I improved out of sight. Like I yep. was fighting undefeated Victorian at the time with about seven, eight fights, and the fighter interstate fighter was a big deal back then. Yeah, yeah. And they'll call me, they'll call me Little Crawford. I was just coming out, and you know, I was a lot more technical. I was fainting. I was doing angles, and yep. the improvement was um, improvement was huge. And then my fourth fight, I was fighting a New Zealander in a in a international fight. So you don't usually fight international. In your first four fights, and then I'm off to my first nationals. Um, yeah, in '93. So after I after my first my first ever fight, the following year, I'm um, I'm at the nationals with only four fights under my belt, and um, yeah, and you know I beat the first guy with I think with about 40 fights from WA, and yeah, wow. and um, just went down closely to the decision to the reigning champion who had about 60 fights from Sydney, so. But, you know, that, that sort of showed all the Tasmanian officials and the members that, you know, this kid was something to look out for and, and yeah. there was big raps for me at a young age. But it was sort of hard because I couldn't go back to that beginner age uh, stage again. It was always after I was fighting guys with more fights. So, yeah. and as we know, like Queensland and New South Wales are so strong in boxing. Yeah. You're fighting guys who had 60, 80 fights, even when they're 14, 15, 16 years old. Yeah, Where wow. Tasmania, so I was up against it, but I never took a backward step. I think my 10th amateur fight, I fought a guy who had 96 bouts and I beat him. Wow. So yeah. there, was, there was no going back. So, but yeah, I, but the goal, I represented Tasmania when I was 15, but my main goal was represent Australia, which I achieved at 19. So... To me, that was the be all end all. Was to get that green and gold tracksuit, um, <laughs> be at that AOS in Canberra for on and off for six months, and and that was you know, that was my dream. And, and you know when I when I first got selected, um, my first trip was to go to Tahiti for the Oceania Championships. I think out of about twelve countries, and yeah, I, I thought if I don't do another thing in my life, I've done this. Yeah, you know, that, that was my own, that was my main focus. Back then, it wasn't as much about being pro and that, but to, to get the green and gold tracksuit to represent, you know, a beautiful country of Australia, that was my highlight, one hundred percent. Yeah, wow, bro, unreal. So, um, yeah. So, oh, oh, lap. How many amateur fights did you end up having? I had fifty, so forty-two wins, eight losses, and um, I mentioned a few great names. I fought. I fought a guy called Shane Braslin, who was a Tassie boy. Who we had a trilogy. We fought three times, and he beat me the first time, but then I beat him the next two. Yep. But he was a great fighter. He beat everyone. He beat Michael Cassini two out of three. He beat so many good fighters, and um, we had this really good rivalry. Like our family sort of, you know, Braslins and Browns are a bit, you know, how you going? And we um, and we had a real big sort of was it like a friendly rivalry? There was no, you know. Malice between me and him personally, but it was when we fought in Hobart. It was a war. The town, the town, they were wars, and and I respect him so much. And as I said, they're two of my best victories. I um Matthew Pauly, I fought him. He was another great fighter, big punch in Southpaw. He went on to big things. I think bronze at the Commonwealth Games, and he was a good professional. Um, and then yeah, but my yeah my main goal was obviously. The Olympic Games, which I missed out for Sydney 2000, just by um, fighting probably the greatest fighter in Northern Territory history, an Aboriginal Mike Tyson called James Swan. Um, he was a beast, you know. He two-time Olympian, two-time Commonwealth Games bronze medalist. He got two bronze, two-time World Championship 
competitor at the World Championships, and he was just a and I had to fight him in his hometown in Darwin as well. So, um, yeah, but it was no disgrace, no disgrace going down to him because he, he pulled me aside after the fight and he said, "Look, you know, I've had so much experience. You're only young." Um, yeah, so look, you know, I fought, fought you know, some of the the best of my era, um, and I was in a great era. I mean, the era that I was in, one year at the Nationals, I had Nadell Hussain, Skinny, and Robbie Peden, Bomber, in my division. Like, I think I was 17 years old. It was my first year as a senior. So how was how was you meant to do any good when you got two future world champions in your division? But yeah. in the in the 90s, the mid-90s was – Amateur boxing was tough. And it wasn't just that. Guys could knock you out. It wasn't like point scoring. Guys like Robbie Peden and Del Stane would put you to sleep. So you're fighting guys with devastating punches. So it was a good era I was in. Um, and I'm proud to have been part of that era, you know, and, and to have had some good moments in that era. Yeah, unreal. Unreal. Who? So, like, throughout throughout your amateur career, um who 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 did you train under and stuff? Was it always your old man and stuff, or no? No. So my dad, my dad was one of them fathers. He didn't believe in the father son coaching. Ah, okay, right. My dad, yeah, yeah. My, my dad taught me sort of the basics, and he and he was my always right there with me, like he'd be giving me advice all the time. Um, and my grandfather as well. But the gym I went to in Tasmania, Lansakiston, was oh, my that's coach. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He was my official coach, but my dad always was was just there all the time with advice, and so you know, I turned to him a lot. My dad also was really good at coming up with a game plan for opponents. Yep. Um. So yeah, but then I went up. Obviously, um, we'll get to that. But I then I was under Johnny Lewis and Jeff Fennick later on. Yeah. In my amateur career and my pro career, so um, yeah. So that's and I was obviously coached by Owen Andreas was a Australian coach. So I learned a lot off Coach Bodo. Yep. Um, there were some great great fighters in that team back then, Cassidy's, Jamie Pittman, Paul Miller. There was a really, really good Chris Hamilton. Um, yeah, but it was just a golden era of boxing back then. Um, but as I said, like, you know, growing up in Tassie, in the areas I grew up in, wasn't easy. And I, at a young age, I something clicked in my head that I thought that, you know, I can do better than than, you know, my surroundings. Like, you know, it was hard growing up. I mean, you know, in the 80s, 90s, a lot of drugs and, that, and you know, we were in rain, Warnington. Um, a lot of, you know, everyone I knew was drinking. Like, you know, my father guided me not to drink, you know, because he was a heavy drinker and all my family pretty much were, except for my mum. Yep. But he said, look, don't, don't make mistakes that I made. Don't, you know drinking or, or smoking or, or hanging around pubs or getting in fights and and getting dramas, troubles with the police, you know. Like, try and do it the right way. And even though he guided me, I still had to do it my, on my own because everyone around me was drinking and doing drugs. I was getting off it all the time. Like, you know, friends of mine after, say, grade six or grade seven at school, they'd go to the local bus thing and hang out and do all sorts of things that you shouldn't be doing. And... I don't know what it was in my head. I thought, no, I'm better than all this and I'm going to do something with my life and, and I'm going to be the best boxer I can be, you know. And So I sort of ignored all that and I got called loser and yeah. nerd and boring and all that stuff. But funny enough, once I started getting some success in the game, those same people were coming up and congratulating me when I was in the paper or on the TV. So, and that's what I try and get through to the kids now that I coach, like, it's bigger to be a leader than a follower, and I'm living proof of it. So I could have easily went down that road of, you know, having a drink, you know, or smoking that bong or, or yeah. doing all that shit. But, you know, as I said, you know, I was that strong in my mind to think, nah, fuck it. I'm, I'm going to be better than all you, all you guys. You know, I'm going to do something. I'm going to travel the world. I'm going to do something big. And at a young age, I had that mentality and some people might have took it as arrogance but for me I just knew that I was better than than my than my surroundings I just knew that I was meant to do more than just have a nine-to-five job and, and 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 live in the same house all your life I just thought there's nothing wrong with that no. but it wasn't for me yeah it was never look, mate, for me. It, it's worked it worked for you didn't it so you know it's um like all props to you brother you know it's um 
because yeah, like as we've spoke about, you know, off off um off camera and stuff, like it's definitely um definitely what was the saying you said to me? It's definitely um a, a, something about a sheep and a lion. Yeah, so lions aren't bothered by the opinions of sheep. Yeah, and, that's right. You yeah. know, and it's it's a, as, as my profile grew in Tasmania. Especially when I went back there, and I'll get into it when I went back there to fight professional. I mean, I've got so much media attention down there, and I was fighting on Fox Sports under Jeff Fennick, and I was doing all. You know, you get a lot of um, you get a lot of haters and that. But as I said, like I've always been bigger than that. Like I said, lions don't worry about the opinions of sheep, and yep. it's easy to sit back on the couch and point the finger when you're eating your eating your burger, eating your chips, and you're sitting there like a, a big slob. <laughs> pointing the finger at some bloke who's out there go getting chasing his dream, That's doing right. what he loves, not hurting anybody, but he's out there doing something with his life. So it's easy to point the finger, but you've got to look at yourself and say, hang on, what, do you, what have you done? You know what I mean? So, look, most people wouldn't be able to walk in my shoes for five minutes, mate. I'll, I'll tell you that honestly. You know? Yep. you know, we talk about the good stories of my life, but my life wasn't, you know, growing up, it was tough, as yep. I said, and and I had to set myself apart from from everyone else and even some of my family members. I had to sort of, you know, it was a lonely, it was lonely. It's lonely. Boxing is a lonely sport, as all fighters know. You're yeah. up at 5 a.m. pretty much on your own running in the cold, especially yeah. back in Tassie. Yeah. yeah. You're in the sauna, you're in the sauna cutting weight, usually on your own. If you win, everyone loves you. If you lose... No one gives a fuck. And that's yeah. just the honest story. Yeah, you can have an excuse. Yeah. It wasn't my night. I was sick. I was injured. I didn't have a good camp. Blah, blah. No one cares, mate. Yeah. It's, so it, it's it's a cutthroat game. So I know the highs and lows of the sport. I've had both, highs and lows. But I love this game. It's changed, it changed my life. Um, you know, I've been to 14 countries of, of, of you know, Met so many great people, um, all through the the you know the great sport of boxing. Yeah, unreal, bro. It's it's yeah, you, it's an inspiration, you know, to um to speak to somebody like yourself that you know has come from that fucking, you know. I'll say I want to say a shitty shitty background, uh, shitty background, shitty area, surrounded by shitty um things that are happening, you know, and and to be able to push through and do the things you've done, mate. It's, it's it is it's inspiration, bro. It's yeah. um. That's good. Uh, thanks, brother. But look, don't get me wrong. Some great people, great people come from them areas. You know, like, I, you know, people I, I love and cherish, you know. But, I mean, as I said, look, you know, everyone's, like, you only get one life, yeah? So you yeah. get one shot at this. So whatever you want to do, well, that's fine. If you just want to stay in that area and stay doing what you're doing, the same job, same whatever, same girlfriend, same whatever, that's great. Good, good luck to you. For me... I wanted to get out of Tassie as quick as I could. And 18 years of age, I got the offer from Johnny Lewis, who, if you don't know Johnny Lewis, viewers, the greatest trainer in Australian history, trainer of Jeff Bennett, Costa Zoo, Jeff Hitman Harding, Gary Sinclair. Like, I think he's got the most world championships in history of, wow. of being a coach. So he saw me at the Nationals in 96 and he said, he offered me to come and train because he knew I wanted to try and make the 2000 Olympics. So I had to talk with mum and dad. It was tough because being an only child and very close to my mum and dad. And as I said, I, I lost my father four years ago. And um, yeah. it's still every second of this day, it cuts me because he was my hero and my best mate. And I, I loved him so much. So, um, But, yeah, so I had the hard talk. And I said, I want to move to Sydney to pursue my boxing career. And, and yeah, it was, wasn't easy, but they allowed me, and all of a sudden I'm up in Sydney. So yep. I'm up in Sydney living at the famous Newtown Police Boys Club. So they, I, I went quite quickly after meeting John Lewis. I think I went like a month later. So I'm up there at the end of 96, and I hadn't had no accommodation for me. So I'm living at the gym, which is the most famous gym, the Newtown PCYC. So well, the first day I walk in the gym, there's Costa Zoo, who was the current world champion. My hero, I even had the little rat's tail, pig tail thing yeah. like him. And, yeah. you know, Costa and Jeff Fennick and, and all these other great fighters, Justin Russell and, you know, all these love wanting to do and, and all these young kids. Like, anyway, so they they said, 
I can sleep in Costanzu's massage room when there was a mattress on the floor. So I thought, rightio, no dramas. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm no frills. I'm just here to, you know, to learn. So I'm, so I'm living in the gym, and it was a bit daunting sometimes. Like, you'd hear noise at night time, and a lot of the street kids would come and knock on the door and say, "Cause they play basketball at 3 a.m." And I'm like, "Yeah, come in. I'm trying to make friends." So um, anyone that knows Newtown, Erskineville, Enmore, Marrickville, they're all very close together. Yep. All the street kids coming in playing basketball and and every time I used to walk around the neighbourhood they go, there's that kid that lives at the gym and it was pretty funny but um, as I said, training alongside Costa Zoo and Jeff Fennick and under Johnny Lewis it's unbelievable. So I, I felt like, wow, now I'm really I'm really going to pursue my dreams because I've got the best I'm in the best stable in Australia, probably Australian history so I was quite blessed and Johnny Lewis actually named me Tazzy so a lot of people say, "What? Well, how do you get called Tazzy?" And he called me the Tazzy Devil. Then yeah. it got called. Then it got cut to, to Tazzy. So yeah, well, I never knew that story. Yeah, right. That's where yeah. you got it from. Yeah. yeah, a lot of people. A lot of people ask me because I mean, no one really calls me Grant. Everyone calls nah, me Tazzy. That's, that's right. Yeah. Even my beautiful partner, my my fiance, she calls me Tazzy more than Grant. So <laughs> Unreal, it's quite funny, yeah. but yeah. So Johnny, Johnny, name and um, yes, yeah, so I was at the Newtown PCYC. I started having amateur fights under Johnny. Sparring was unbelievable. Like he asked me um, in '97 to spar Costa, so I'd done three rounds with him one day, and three rounds the next. And this was unbelievable to spar the great Costa Zoo. Thank God he went easy on me. And Tim Zoo was only three years old at the time, running around the gym, and Unreal. I've got a great relationship with Tim and everyone people that know, um, you know how. How good of friends we are, but yep. I, I tell him, I said, mate, you're a, you're a little kid, mate, running around, and he can't remember it. But it was just it's just funny, you know. And uh, yeah, so I, I I I dared to do something. I, I left my comfort zone in Hobart, and I went to Sydney, and and that was where it all sort of began. Yeah, unreal. So what you fought under that you fought under um under under Johnny Lewis there for, for the rest of your amateur career, did you? And then turned pro under him. Him and, him and no, no. Yeah, I'll turn pro. So Jeff at that time had, had um, built his own team Righto. called Team Fennick. Yep, yep. And his first his first fighter was my dear friend, my brother Pierre Karam, great, a great fighter from Victoria. So he was up there. Then he had Nadal, Skinny Hussain, and Hussain Hussain, another two, um, I'd just say brothers. They're yeah. like family to me. Yeah, I know his so, son, Tip. Yeah. Yeah, so, so then I... Um, yeah, so after my amateur career finished, I rang up Jeff and, and he said, yep, you know, I'm willing to turn pro. And all of a sudden, yeah, we was in Bankstown, PCYC, then we were in Marrickville. And it was the best team with Danny Green, Sakio Bika, Nader Hamden, Nadeo Hussain, Hussain Hussain, Victor Chinian, um, you know, everyone, like the who's who. The sparring was incredible. And I had the fun job of sparring Nadell was saying, Victor Chinian, who's saying, he's saying every day, pretty much. Yeah, you know, occasionally we'd have a day off sparring, but I sparred him a lot. I got beat up every day, but <laughs> I learned so much. Yeah. And, and I've got friendships with these guys forever. Like, they, they, I wasn't on their level skill wise, but they knew I was tough and they knew that I was, I had a big heart. And I was, I was there. I was in there doing my best and they respected that. So, yeah. The quality of sparring I had, was insane, mate, you know. And, and then another story too, Johnny Lewis and Jeff Fennick, they they had a lot of connections in the security industry. So I'm up there, at, you know, we weren't making much money. Obviously, as an amateur, you get, you know, you don't fight for money. So it's obviously, you need to work. So I finished up, I was bouncing the cross at the age of 18, doing security <laughs> in King's Cross when it was all happening in King's Cross, like not like now. Yeah, back in the, the notorious Danny, days. Yeah, Danny, fucking oath. Danny, Danny, Danny Karam and um, Nick Kanan and all them were running around shooting the place up. And so I was 18 years old working there and then um, and down at Coogee as well. And also doing the Bell Main games at the Leichhardt Stadium, which I never knew much about rugby league because I was an Aussie rules yeah, you know, yeah. boy from Tasmania. So, yep. so all of a sudden I'm in the, I'm in the deep end, mate. So I, I, um, I learned so much, not just about boxing, but I learned about survival. And I learned about just about the street life, the street mentality, and you know, and it made me who I am today. It gave me the street smarts to 
to go there, sink or swim, and I swam. So. Yeah. Unreal. Just on that on that note there, mate, can I just ask a question? And I've always wondered, I've, I've seen it a couple of times, one of the underbellies, your face pops up in there, and it's a, it's on. I think it's the one the, when they're on the. Well, forget what it's called, but they're on the cross. Is that is that you? You come up with a car window, the gold mile. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> the car window. I'm paying off the coppers. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Always wondered. I, yeah. I was told it was you, but I've um, yeah, I've always wanted to ask you that too. So yeah, well, it's funny as I said. So 18, I'm in the rule cross. Yeah, I work at these clubs. But then um, in 2009, I auditioned for Underbelly 3. Um, I'll tell you how that came about quickly. Mick Gatto, obviously a dear friend of mine and and a great great man, and he does so much for the boxing in Australia, so much fundraisers for autism and and charities. He's amazing. He's a great man, yep. He's a good man, mate. I've got a lot of time for Mick anyway. So I heard they were doing Underbelly 3. And I've always said to myself, I don't know why, as a confident, cocky character, and I don't know if I can act, mate, but I always thought I could. So <laughs> I heard they were doing it, and I rang him up and I said, look, y- you must know, because they've done a, a series on, on Underbelly, one about him. Like, yeah, that's right. Yeah. A character. And, I, and I said, you must know someone. He said, yeah, I know the, the head of Screen Time Productions, Des Monaghan, who's the head of the – they do the Underbellies. I said, oh, can I get his number? So I ring him up. <laughs> the head of Screen Time Productions and I said, G'day mate, Grant Tansy Brown here, my friend of Mick Gatto's and I'm like, Oh, okay, what can I do? So I said, mate, when are you starting to audition for Underbelly Three? He said, oh, in three months. I said, How do I get on it? He said, Well, what experience have you had? I said, mate, none. I said, But I've done heaps of interviews, I'm a boxer, I'm confident, I when the camera's on me, I don't I don't shy away from it. He goes, All right, that's interesting. He said, Look, I'll get someone from my department to give you a call. So anyway, Weeks went past. I forgot all about it. I'm at the shopping centre anyway, and they, um, yeah, phone call says, oh, from Screen Time Productions on behalf of Des Monaghan, can you come up for a screen test? Uh, I said, okay, yeah, no worries. I said, yep, come to Darlinghurst for a screen test. So I ring up another mate of mine. I'm not dropping names here, but yeah. people probably think I am. Vince Clossimo, who's a good friend of mine too. Who's, yeah, okay. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah, him and, him and Nick Genopopoulos, they're both very good friends of mine. I, I hang out with them a fair bit in Melbourne. And yep. wow, yeah, wow. Ring up Vince and said, mate, what's the what's bloody, um, you know, how do you audition? What is the screen test? And he said, look, it's, you know, when you do whatever scene you want, you know, in your own voice and pick a movie scene, whatever. So I picked the opportunity Any Given Sunday speech where he does the, when he's the coach of the, the, the rugby, the gridiron team. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so anyway, I cut a long story short, I, I done it. Um, and originally, the part they had I did in, in plan for me, I was a bit too short for it. Yep. So they said, we'll give you this part, which was a drug dealing bouncer based in the 80s in the cross. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, so there's a few scenes there where I'm paying the coppers off and working on the doors. But it's funny. They didn't film it in King's Cross. They filmed it in Lane Cove, yeah, North okay. Sydney. Yep. Because they just shut down the, the streets after 6 p.m. We went through to 3 a.m. I filmed for three nights. And they put the sets up because they had to make it look like the cross in the 80s. Yeah, that, yeah so we of had course. The old, we had the old, the old money, the old currency. Yep. I had still the same old leather jacket I wore when I worked in the cross in the 90s. <laughs> um, and we'd have a buffet Buffet dinner at midnight, Nat, um, Natalie Basson White, Sal Coco, all these actors and that were there because they, they were on Underbelly 3. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was awesome. Yeah. Um, Dita Brummer, God, God bless, God rest his soul, who was a home and away star. He was, he was a crooked policeman on there. So I got to meet all these you know, good Aussie actors. And um, yeah, look, mate, I'll try, I'll try anything once. And it was an experience. And a few people sometimes. See it, and they see me a screenshot. Is that really you? And yeah, so. <laughs> I was one of them, bro. To be honest, I was like, "Holy fuck!" Like, you know, and especially having the nickname Tazzy, you know, like we 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 rep our fucking home state, mate, as well. So it's yeah. like, yeah, seeing someone from Tazzy on there was was unreal, you know. But um, all right, mate, back to back to boxing, mate. I want to I want to hear about your your pro debut and um and how all that went, how all that come about, and and you know, and what happened yeah. there, and 
Yeah. Yeah, so my pro debut, so originally I was meant to be on a Hispanic Fight Night live on TV when Danny Green made his pro debut. Something happened there, I'm not sure, and they moved me two weeks before. So all of a sudden now I'm fighting in Mount Pritchard, RSL in Liverpool. So that's about, it's out west a bit. I was living at the Five Duck Hotel, sponsored by them. Um, so it was probably about an hour drive, whatever. And I was fighting a guy um, who had six fights, three wins, three losses, Dave Picknell. So a good, a good test my my debut. Had a great training camp, obviously sparring, you know, skinny, hussy, Vic. And, um, yeah, went out. I had about 50 people from the pub, the Five Duck Hotel, that sponsored me, all there supporting me. And Billy Usain in my corner and um, Nader Hemden. And, um, yeah, it was just unbelievable. So I got the win on points, you know, it's decision. And that was the start of it all. Um, and I'd actually lost my cousin. He passed away from a accidental drug overdose in Hobart a week before. Yeah, right. Which he was my he was my first cousin, Peter Wright. Yeah, my mum's my mum's nephew. Yep. I I rang up with dad and said, should I come home for the? And they said, look, stay, you know, stay there and and honour him that way. You got your pro debut. Um, yeah. So that was all I wore. A, a black arm man, and I, I dedicated to him. Yeah. 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 Wow. So that that all happened. Yeah. Right. Right. In, on your your first pro fight. The week week before, yeah, I was I was going to fight um to be with my family, but mum and dad said, "Look, nothing you can do. Yeah. Stick stick to what you're doing, and 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 you know. Yeah, and honour him in that way. Him. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So yeah. I did that. <clears throat> Um, and then that's it. I'm one and oh, all of a sudden. And um, again, training with Team Fennec every day. But like so many fights, as a lot of fighters know, when a fight gets announced, it doesn't mean it's going ahead. So I had so many pullouts, you know what I mean? And I'm not saying, you know, people are scared and all that, but just the way it happened, yep. you get a date, <clears throat> a day before, two days before, a fighter pulls out. You get another date. Something else happened. So all of a sudden, um, and I used to have to, I used to fight at super featherweight. So I'm fighting, you know, 58.5, 59 kilos. So I've got to make weight too. So I'm, yeah. I'm dieting and I'm starving. So every time a fight fell through, it was, it was just so deflating. It just, as, as any boxers know, yeah. to get a fight cancelled last minute. So that happened. And yeah, and a few things happened there in our accommodation. Um, at the Five Duck Hotel was changing. So I thought, look, I'll go back to Tassie and I'll keep fighting and I'll keep still be with Team Fennec, but I'll fly up for training camps instead of live there full time. Yeah. yeah. And the drive from New South Wales to Victoria, then the boat Spirit of Tassie to Hobart is where I brainstormed doing pro shows in Hobart. That's where it all began. Yep. So in 2001, on September 11, when the actual the Twin the Towers. Oh, true. You know, that the, day. Happened, that was the day that I drove down and um, I got back to Hobart. Two days later, I'm sitting at Orish Murphy's with two friends. Yep. And I said, why don't we put on a, a pro-am, a professional boxing show? And I said, what? How long's that been? I've been over 20 years, 30 years since it's been one in Tassie. You're crazy. And I said, no. Nah. And I asked the waitress for a pen and paper. So I sat down and said, all right, we need a venue. Do an entertainment centre. I go, what? That's the biggest venue. And like, I was thinking, obviously, probably too big then. Yeah, of course. So, nah, yeah. I'll, be, I'll, I'll be the main event. Um, I'll get another fighter, Dean Belbin, at the time. We had a good name on there. We'll get a bunch of amateurs. We'll get ring girls, ringside tables. I said, ringside tables are ring girls. This has never happened before. I learned all this from Jeff Finney. I was watching Jeff's shows. I was seeing how he, you know, markets his promotion. I thought, I can do this in Tassie. I take boxing out of the ground, a tavern, the Norky Club rooms and all these little venues, which which were fine as when we were amateurs, and I'm going to do it on the big stage. And that's how it all began. Wow. And and this show, my next show is my twentieth show, it's my anniversary. So, so we've done the first one. It went well. Um, the venue was too big, obviously. 
So then I went to the Tasman room at the casino at Rest Point, and yep. I'd done two shows there, and they were So what, the first cracking. one was at the deck, was it? <laughs> so, so you actually did have it there. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah no, I, one thing about me, love me or hate me, and half the viewers will probably love me, half will hate me. I don't really give a yep. fuck. Yep. I really don't. Um, but I'll tell you now, one thing about me, when I say I'm going to do something, I'll do it. It's my word is my bond. Yeah. And and that's and that's the end of the that's that's it. My word is my bond. As long as I take my last breath on this fucking planet, I keep my word. Yep. Yep. Unreal. And, and it's the way, it's the way you should be. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so then we went to Respawn Casino, done two shows there. It started building and building and building. People were loving it, mate. This town used to stop. I'm getting thirteen hundred, fifteen hundred people. Um, tables, you know, 40, 50, 60 tables and you know, entertainment, music, you know, ring girls, all this stuff that, you know, they hadn't seen before. And, and it gave the platform for all these Tassie boxers thinking, oh, I won't turn pro, I don't know how to turn pro or no one's going to give me a chance from Tasmania or if I do go to the mainland, I'm going to be the B-side and get knocked out. I gave them a platform to show them Build it as you as you go on, and and that's what I've done. And so many fighters from Daniel Gill promoted Daniel Gill back in '06 um, before he's world champion to Luke Jackson. Everyone knows the history with me and Luke. He's my brother. I love him, and, and I've you know obviously trained Luke um, you know as an amateur for the London Olympics, and then obviously as a pro, me and Billy Usain co-trained him, and I think I've been in Luke's corner for. I think 18, 19 out of his 21 fights, so pretty much almost every fight by his side. Unreal, yeah. Um, Shout out Luke Jackson too. He's someone that yeah. I want to hopefully get on the podcast in the future. So Yeah, yeah. No, Action Jackson. I even named him Action, actually. So, yeah, awesome. Um, yeah, yeah, he's great, mate. He's, you know, he's a, a great human and um, and what a great fight and what he's done for Tassie. So Daniel Gilwood, Luke Jackson, I started, you know, I've got them on shows in Hobart. And then later on, you know, your Bo Belvins, your... Plugger Josephs, your Mousy Jacobs, your your um, Matty Triffords, your Doreen Boys, Belbins, Bo Belbin, wait, all these guys have come up on my shows and and um, as I said, look, another thing too, like you know, of you can say what you want, but you know, take me out of boxing in Tasmania the last two decades and there wouldn't have been much at all. 100%. And that's your honest truth. I mean, yep. You know, I don't, I, don't want, I don't want pats on the backs or that, but just give me my dues. Yep. I show people that you can turn pro and if you do it the right way, you can have a good career. And a lot of these guys are going on. I mean, Bo Belbin, I, I got him to 7-0 and, and, I, and I got him the key to Zoo for big money on main event on Tim Zoo's undercard. So, I mean, I built Bo from his first pro fight, got him 7-0. And I told him, if we're ever going to go into a fight where we might lose, it'll be against a big name on TV for big money. And that's what I produced. And he went and he done a great job against Nikita. He, he, he hit Nikita some good shots and he and he went out on his shield, full respect to him. As I said, but I, I, I planned or the mastermind behind all that build-up. I knew we're in the same division as Nikita and I knew that we're going to get that big fight one day. You know what I mean? And... Yeah. And um, you know, so look, I'm 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 grateful and I'm blessed to have been part of all these guys' careers, and and now you know our brother Bo Woods, I promoted Bo twice and promote him again. Big announcement tomorrow. I yeah. won't give too much away, but <laughs> my twentieth show. But look, you know, I think like, how did this happen? Like, running through the streets of rain at thirteen, you know running through some of the old houses and just in the area and thinking, oh, but now I'm, you know, I'm giving back. I'm giving all these guys a chance. That and you know what, pretty- mate? Okay, if I can just say one thing, you know, for, for Tasmanian boxing, like you like you said just before, without somebody like yourself, mate, it, there wouldn't be, it wouldn't happen. There wouldn't be no professionals coming out of Tassie unless they, they did what you did and, and pissed off to the mainland and did it that way, you know. Um, yeah. Like like Bo, for example, Bo Bo did that for starters as well, you know. And now he's um look now he's fucking headlining your shows, um, 
but you know, somebody with your experience and um and you know and the and the the backstory behind you, you know, like um you know, throughout all the people you've met and all the things you've seen throughout boxing, you know, it's like um it's it's unreal, mate. And I yeah, I I honestly think it's um yeah, it, it's awesome that you've that Tassie has got Tasmania has got somebody like yourself that can do it and is so passionate about it, you know? Oh, yeah, well, passion is definitely a good way to describe it. I mean, look, you know, boxing is my, you know, my life. I mean, I, if I'm not watching it, I'm talking about it. Well, you know, I watched the fight today. My dear friend, Jace Maloney, he defended his title and the, the beast, Benedev, Ford, and obviously, you know, um, Raul Murdoch had a good crack, you know. And But, I mean, like, I'm watching it. I'm studying it. Um, I'm coaching fighters. I'm managing fighters. I'm promoting fighters. And now I'm also doing interviews. I've I've been blessed to have um, you know been in Canelo's gym and watched Canelo train in San Diego. I'm very close to Devin Haney, Bill Haney. I was over there working for Fight Height and covering um, you know his last fight. So this is a, a story, funny story. As I said. I'm from Murray Mornington in Hobart, you know, I'm, I'm you know, just a small town kid. And if you would have told me that years down the track, you'd be sitting next to your, your idol, Oscar De La Hoya, the golden boy, sitting next to him ringside at the MGM Grand Hotel in Vegas, watching Haney Lomachenko, I would never have believed you. But that happened last year in May, and I just couldn't believe it. You know, sitting next to my idol, Oscar De La Hoya, um, watching you know, ringside and then back at Devin Haney's house for the after party in a massive three-story mansion um, wow. in a gated community. Yeah, and then um, there's a big barbecue, oh, not barbecue, they order a heap of food and Bill Haney's a legend, mate. I love Bill Haney. He's a great friend of mine and, and we're all eating and getting plates, all the food. And and then I'm standing next to a fellow people might know, I'm eating me chicken and Zab Judah, one of the greatest fighters we've had and talking to Zab and that about the fight and I'm just thinking, how, how, what are you doing here? How did you get here? Like, how, like I don't know, it's a blur yeah. to come from where I come from and to be here because Vegas is the pinnacle of, of boxing. I mean, yeah. so yeah, I've been blessed there and I said to cover Canelo, I've met Tyson, Tyson Fury, Mike Tyson, Julio Cesar, Chavez, Abuda, Duran, Sugar, Leonard. You know, I met all these guys and now I'm interviewing these fighters too. So, it's just unbelievable, mate. I, I'm truly blessed, and and I thank the sport of boxing for allowing me to to go to 14 countries and 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 to now have this sort of base now doing the media stuff in Vegas. It's amazing. Wow, that's that's crazy, mate. That's yeah, I didn't didn't know that you was um that you'd pick that up. That's that's cool, as bro. Yeah, so it's literally there's nothing now in boxing that I haven't really covered. I mean, trainer or fighter, trainer, manager, promoter now. Boxing, you know, journalist media. So yeah. yeah, unreal. And you know, another another um another good thing too is you know you don't have this this cockhead head about you. You know, like um or nothing like that. You you appreciate everything. Like you just said, you know, you're sitting ringside next to your your idol, your lifetime idol. You know, and you just and you had that flash just where you thought, what the where the why the fuck am I here? You know. So you know, it's great that you. You can acknowledge how blessed you are about it, you know, and you don't have this this cockhead, this wankerness about you, you know. It's um because you know, I'm sure that, like it, it goes to a lot of people's heads, mate. When things, not just boxing, anything, you know, like you start to get a you know a bit of a following or something like that, and you know, and it changes people. They turn into cockheads, you know. But um, it's awesome, mate. It's awesome that you can um you know be the way about it that you are, like. Yeah, I look, mate, you're 100% right. And I've seen people that haven't done heart, like, as I said, meeting guys like Sugar Leonard, like Roberto Duran, you know, Costa Zoo, like, you know, Roy, Roy Jones Jr. I've got a friendship with. Like, like, yeah, you know, fuck. Like, <laughs> it's unreal, like, man. I'll tell you this story. So last year I done private security for Gordon Ramsay twice in Melbourne. Yeah, okay, well. And... I built up a friendship with him. He said, when you're in Vegas next, you eat you eat at my restaurant for free, Hill's Kitchen. It's just, you know, near Caesar's Palace. Yep. I said, yeah, well, I'll sell there in two weeks. He said, well, contact, you know, my, my PA guy out in with him. 
message him and let me know date, time, whatever. So yeah, I messaged the guy and he said, "Yep, no worries." It's part of me. It's all booked in. Um, anyway, but then I, I thought, well, okay, there's a few other Aussie boys over there. I'll take them as well. Anyway, the day it, it happened, I went to the top rank gym. Roy Jones Jr. was there, and I met Roy now probably half a dozen times, and I know him well, and we exchanged numbers. Anyway, um, the guys I was meant to go to dinner with for this big all-paid dinner at Gordon Andrews, the boys had ate something at the food court at the MGM Grand and got a bit sick. So they said, we can't come, Tazzy. So I'm going on my own, which I booked for four people, and it's all paid for. Yeah. So I messaged Roy Jones and bought him the dinner, and unfortunately – he already had plans. He said, thanks for the invite. So I, I did offer Roy Jones Jr. to go to dinner with me. I went on my own, sat there like I was, I don't know. And, yeah, they said, look, yeah, everything's compliments of Mr. Ramsey. And I had the beef Wellington and the, everything else that comes with it. It was awesome. It was just, again, I'm thinking, how are you do, How are you here? from Coming from Tassie, how are you here? Yeah. yeah Gordon Ramsey restaurant free. I, I just I don't know. And I'm, I said, I do appreciate it, and and guys that do get ahead of themselves, like a lot of not, not all, but some of the footy players get a bit up themselves. No one knows them outside Australia. Yep. These boxers, world championships, femons, legendary people, unbelievable. Tyson Fury, one of the best boxers you've ever met in your life. Yeah, you know, like um, it's, you know, these guys are humbling people, and and that's what that's what's important. Whatever you do in life, it's great to have success in whatever you do, but. Remember who you are. Remember who you're from, and you're only as good as, as yeah, you know, as your last, yeah. as your last decision. Things can change quickly in life. I tell a lot of people, okay, don't judge anyone. I said because your life can change in one second. Yeah. The very big, big thing. I tell a lot of the kids I train, don't judge anyone, because you don't know what your kids are going to turn out like. You don't know things happen in life, and um, you know. Sometimes we've got no control. Sometimes we do have control. But, yeah, so that, it's very important to um, get the most out of life. I mean, 100%. I've had a lot of friends. I've lost a lot of friends through suicide. I've lost a lot of friends through, you know, drug overdoses, whether they were, you know, accident, accidentally or not accidentally. Yep. And I think, like, what a waste, man. Like, and some of these guys were talented footballers and talented boxers and whatever, talented artists. My cousin was a... One of my cousins was a great tattooist. And, yep. and I think, you know, I'm going to get every bit out of my life while I'm here, like every single bit. Um, another dear friend, I'm going to want to mention my brother, Wayne Howard, who, who is um, just a, a special, special person who has become the king of powerlifting in Australia and the world. Yeah, it's crazy. And he's yeah. so much, he took me to Russia with him twice, to Moscow, and... You know, the first time we went for a month, can't tell you how good it was. I've like been in Moscow and obviously being around a lot of his powerlifter mates who are very, very connected people. Myself having Costa Zoo there as a connection, going to dinner with Costa and, um, you know, he's the king there. He's like, he's so, he's like huge. And, and I mean, um, yeah, like, you know, and then me and Wayne, the next time we went to Moscow, we went to Romania. He had this idea we wanted to go to Dracula's Castle for Halloween. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, look, there's a, a bit of a cult that live like vampires and they're based up in the mountains in the snow, yeah, two yeah. hours from Bucharest. Yeah, I know two of hours it, yeah. The capital. And the castle was, used to be under Vlad the Impaler, who was the king of Romania. But that's where the legend, legend of Dracula started. So all of a sudden, me and Wayne are driving two hours up in the snow, up in these mountains like that, and I felt like we'd gone back 50 years. Like there was these old ladies on the side of the road with bundles of sticks and there was the old horse and cart. Then we get to the castle and then well, I meet these people that he spoke to on the internet and they literally got the fangs and they're all black. And I was laughing. He kicked me. He goes, don't laugh, bro. He goes, these are, this is it. These are, this is their life. And then we, so we, then we, we spent Halloween with these, um, Romanian vampire freaks. Yeah, right. Like when you say what they they what they actually they actually live a life like a vampire. Like they they get blood donated to them to drink. Fuck! How crazy! I what a, what an experience. 
there was someone there from Slovakia or Slovenia or one of the, I think one of the movies I had that, um, was it Hostel movie or whatever? Like, oh, yeah. And, yeah. Um, and I said, oh, how do you get blood? And they said, oh, we cook in clean and do, and do many favours for people in our village and they give us their blood. I'm like, what the? <laughs> Just another unbelievable adventure. And as I said, anyone that knows Wayne Hallett, um, you know, he – he is a, a man amongst men and just a legend himself in his own right. And um, we've had some good journeys, still a few more to go too. But but after that one, I ended up leaving Wayne and I went to Budapest, Hungary. Um, yeah, and then Prague, Berlin, Rome and done some good things on my own. And yeah, it was awesome, you know. So, yeah, yeah. It, 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 I love travelling. Uh, I tell anyone that, that um, make sure they see a bit of the world, you know, because it's um, so much, so much out there in the world, mate. It's so big, and and I definitely think people should, you know, definitely check out some some countries before they um, call it a day. Yeah, yeah, for sure, mate. It's definitely, um, you know, I I had kids young, mate. I was I was a father at nineteen, and I've just had oh, another wow. little one now, and I'm thirty one now. We've we've got a three month old, four month old baby. So, um, I mean, but I've I've been overseas a, a couple of times. And um, I've you know I've travelled the the country, but I definitely hundred percent, mate. It's on the within the next sort of five to ten years is my um my next part of my life. You know, is to see yeah. the world for sure. No, it's a great experience, and you know, especially through boxing, and you know, blessed to be able to travel through boxing, obviously too, and you know, train at Freddie Roach's gym in Wildcard and Floyd Mayweather's gym in Vegas. I mean, you know, again, just all bucket list things, mate, to be able to do all this stuff and um. And as I said, like, you know, one, when I did turn pro, I, one of my dreams were always wanted to fight on Fox Sports, you know. And in 2005, I got the opportunity to fight on a Angelo Hyder, Jeff Fennick fight night. So I got the fight live on TV across the whole country. And um, that was amazing. I, I you know, had a good victory. And I went back to my phone. There was like 105 messages there just waiting to be read or congratulating me. So, you know, that was, that was a very big... Um, you know, obviously one of my, my fondest Brilliant. memories of the pro. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and the guys have sparred. I mean, like, you know, no secret. I'm so close to Anthony Mundine. We've done so many charities together for Children's Cancer Canteen and Bushfire fundraisers. And we've done stuff for Aboriginal youth. And we've been in a few of the prisons and had a chat to the guys there. And Anthony gives his time. But I got to spar Anthony, which was amazing. Um, he's probably the fastest guy I've ever sparred. He's so Costa Zoo was the best. Costa Zoo was the best fighter I sparred, I'd say. But Mundine's probably definitely the fastest. And sparring Mundine and, and you know Billy Dib and Victor Chinian and Love on to do. Even got to spar Jeff Fennick once. Yeah. Um, he won a few rounds one day. I don't know why because he wasn't really fighting anymore. But he wanted to spar me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yes, yeah, so, I mean I, I can actually say that I've been in the ring with these guys, which is which is unbelievable, you know. And um, yeah, again, you know. I just think of that Tassie kid running through the streets and, and people not thinking he's not going to – probably not going to amount to much, not going to do much, you know, and it's it's, it's okay to, to say that. But, I mean, always uh, be wary of the, of the of the little one and the, and the little red-headed fellow who, uh, who dared to do something with his life. Yeah, unreal, mate. No, it's, you've, definitely, um, you've definitely got a very crazy story behind you, bro, you know. Um, you know, story of of motivation, a story of success. You know, a story of um, just just a great story, mate. In general, you know, and it's it's awesome what you're doing, what you're doing, mate, and what you've done. You know, um, look, mate, we, we're gonna we're gonna pull it up shortly. Where give us a bit of a spiel on your your social medias. Where can people find you? You know, they'll flash up on the screen, um, and they'll also be in the the links will be in the description and stuff, mate. Yeah, so just Instagram um, at Grant Tazzy Brown. Um, obviously, I'm I'm a full time boxing coach slash PT in Melbourne. So I'm yeah, I'm always training people and and um, if anyone's in Melbourne want to do a one on one session with me and, and learn the technique, please send me a message. Also, I post a lot about my my promotion in Tasmania. Um, you know, in March there'll be my 20th show, which I'm releasing tomorrow. Um, in a press conference in Hobart, so it's going to be huge. It's probably my could be my biggest show yet. So um, let me just say, um, mate, um, this 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 podcast what 
will uh, will drop in maybe the next three days. So can you maybe give um, just me personally a bit of an insight? It'll already be – you're going to mention it tomorrow, so it'll already be out yeah. there, but, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, so Hobart City Hall, March the 16th. So yeah. that's got a great card. Um, Body of the Goods Woods is the main event. Again, he's main event on my last show. He's a great – He's a great young man and a great young fighter who I've you know, really got a lot of time for Bo um, coming off a loss. So he'll be looking to get back on the win list. Um, he's got a tough fight. He's actually fighting a tough Samoan guy that knocked out the guy that beat Bo in his last fight. So it's not an easy fight, but they've sparred. And, um, Sorry, he knocked, and Bo's he knocked out... Jake Bo- Wiley. Yeah, Jake Wiley. Yeah, that's right. Bo was telling me, yeah. Yep. yeah. Yeah, so it's a good... You know, Bo doesn't want easy fights. No, he, that's right. Yeah, he's a he, tough, tough kid, Bo. Fucking oath. He doesn't even care. He goes, every time I say, sometimes when I message someone, they're fighting this person, they go, they ask all these questions. He goes, yep, but done. Yeah. Like, he doesn't, you know, he's really easy to deal with. Some fighters are a bit bit princess-like, but yep. Bo, he doesn't care. He just says where and when. You know what I mean? So he's a true fighter. Got a lot of time for Bo. Even when he was an amateur, he always had a rule. So I used to MC a lot of the amateur shows, and yep. he's one guy that caught my eye. I thought, and he's from the same sort of area as me, sort of same, you know, upbringing lifestyle wise. His mum's a beautiful person. Yep. Um, Mousy Jacobs returns, the Tasmania's only female ever world champion. She's back after a year and a half, two years off. Wow. I've yep. got um, grudge match, Joe Corner, Chris Drummond rematch for a Tasmanian title of eight rounds. They had a a close fight during COVID. Um, Braden in on, big bad Braden. He's a heavyweight. He's, yep. he's um, 2-0. Uh, and the debut of some really good young fighters, Lee McKenzie, Thomas Barker and Caelan McEwen. Really good amateur fighters that are having their debut. So I've got three on debut, which shows the depth of, of Tassie Boxing. I'm honoured to be able to put this together, my 20, 20th anniversary show. And, yeah, look, again, just... Yeah, you can sit back and talk about it or you can just do it. And that's what I do. I get it done. I get the date, the venue organised, and I just put on a great card. And it'll be a great night. So I hope everyone gets out there and supports it. Because these shows don't happen unless the people turn up and, you know, and, and support it. So I reckon it'll be, this one could be definitely a, almost a sellout. And um, yeah, I'm just excited to be bringing boxing back to Tasmania again. Awesome, mate. And, 20th show, mate, it's, um, you know, it's, I'm sure all these guys will be, you know, stoked to, stoked to um, be part of that and whatnot, and, um, and yeah, I can't wait myself, mate, I'm going to, I'm going to fly down with Bowie and, um, and follow him around with the camera the whole time, so, yeah. um, that should be good, and, uh, and yeah, mate, if you can, uh, if there's any advice out there, Taz, you know, maybe, maybe there's, you know, young, young lads that sort of come from the same sort of background that you, you could have went down, you know, but didn't, What what's some advice you can give, mate? Yeah, I'm massive on helping the youth. I mean, I a couple of the kids I train, you know, they've um, they've been running a bit of a muck at the moment, a couple of 14-year-olds and the mothers call me up and, and, um, and I tell them and I tell everyone, and same as when I had my gym for Trouble Youth back in Hobart in 2012 where, you know, I've got Savvy Wells as a nine-year-old kid and gave him the, the big talk to him. And now he's a, you know, underfed young professional, a great young man and a great young fighter. Um, look, the thing is, on Massive Oz, don't be a sheep, be a leader. You know, everyone wants to say peer pressure and I've got to do this because my friends are doing it. Well, no, you don't. It's bigger to say, no, you're not going to go and smoke drugs or drink or steal a car, steal a motorcycle, vandalise a phone box or do some stupid shit. It's bigger to say, no, I'm going to go do this my way than to be a little sheep. And I'm I'm massive on that. But when I talk to kids, I'm tough love. I don't beat around the bush. If you want to be a a screw-up, go be a screw-up. If you want to do something in your life, aka boxing, football, cricket, art, painting, mechanics, woodwork, whatever you want to do, You can do anything you want to do as long as you give 110% and be a leader. Don't follow the wrong people down the wrong path, mate. You know, as I said, like, I'm living proof. I said no to drugs. I said no to drinking. I said no to running around doing stupid shit because I wanted to be a champion boxer. 
Yeah. And I mean, you know, I wasn't the greatest fighter, but I, I'm very content with what I've achieved in my career. And the peer, respect from your peers is number one in the, in the game. Respect from people who, who are someone. To me, that's more than a world title. So look, just, yeah, you know, surround yourself by good people and be a leader, not a follower, you know. Say no, don't don't go down the same path because it's cool or or this person said to do this. So be your own person and be a fucking leader. Be a leader. That's the best thing I can be is be a leader. Stand on your own two feet. I'm talking about men or women, but be a real man. Stand up and be accountable for your actions, and don't make the same mistakes twice. And just go on and do whatever you want. Because you can do whatever you want in life. You can do. Accomplish whatever you want. If you want to be an astronaut, you be an astronaut. No one can stop you if you want it bad enough. But how bad do you want it? And that's what I try and tell them all. Yeah, manifestation, you know? mate, is a, is a big key factor to it all. You know, manifest, mate, believe it. You know, dream it, believe it, and it'll fucking happen. Like, dream it, believe it, achieve it. Something yep. I live by, and that's, you know, you know, look, take as much mistakes we've all made them, um, but. You know, don't just keep repeating the same That's mistakes. Right. You know, I mean, I'm 45 years old. I'm blessed to be in a position I am now. I've got a beautiful supporting partner. The two stepdaughters. Um, you know, you know, my beautiful mother is with us. God bless. And you know, I said, I, I try and honour my dad every day because I know my dad wanted me to be the best I could be. He didn't want me to say, make the same mistakes as he did back in his day. And I honour him every day. I, I really do. And especially the way I look after my mother. Because, you know, he was obviously adored my mother for 50 years. And um, I just try to be the best human I can be, man. I'm not perfect. I'm never going to be perfect. I'm never, ever going to be someone, everyone's cup of tea. But some people, I am their cup of tea. It is what it yeah. is, you know what I mean? But all you kids, just dream it, believe it, achieve it. I'm here for anyone that wants to send me a message, you know. If you if you need advice about things, hit me up. I'm, I'm pretty quick to reply. And I'm happy to help anyone that you know is in a tough spot or or needs a bit of guidance because life is t- life's tougher than boxing. Boxing's a piece of piss. Fighting's easy, but life is tough, and sometimes you need a bit of guidance. So I'm happy to be that guy. You're 100 percent right, mate. Fucking oath, and um, you know it's it was just inspiring hearing that myself. To be completely honest with you, mate, you know. Um, yeah, look, look, Taz, it's been an absolute honour having you on, mate. I pr- really appreciate your time and, uh, you know, um, I'm, I'm sure people will get something out of this story for sure, mate. You know, it's um, it was it was very inspiring and, uh, look, mate, all the best with your, with your upcoming show. Um, looking forward to hearing your announcement in that tomorrow as well. Um, I've obviously heard heard it firsthand, which is uh, pretty lucky, but, um, yeah, mate, and, and definitely look forward to... Um, you know, catching up when I come down and um, for for the for the event and whatnot, and um, yeah, awesome, mate. I appreciate it. And um, guys, that was Tazzy Brown. Thanks for coming on, brother. Thanks for having me, brother. And yeah, so you're doing a great job with your show and everything you're doing too. So thanks a lot, mate. I appreciate the time. Thanks, Tazzy. Cheers, guys. Hope you've enjoyed it. 